This enchanted life. Welcome, welcome. I'm your host, Angie Sunshine, and this is the show where we celebrate the people, places, and things that make everyday life a little more magical. Welcome back, everyone. Um, today, I am joined by Cassandra, aka the Saffron Sage. She is a career astrologer that helps you to align with the work that you're actually meant to do on this planet and help you overcome the challenges that show up on your path so that you could advance in your spiritual journey. Thank you so much for joining me today, Cassandra. Thank you for having me. It's so great to be here and be talking about astrology. Is it Cassandra or Cassandra? I feel like I should ask. Honestly, I answer to both. Um, I say Cassandra, but I don't I don't correct people if they say it the other way. It's no big deal. Oh, I think I've been living in Europe for so long now that it's like just appeared in my mind to ask about Cassandra because <laughs> I feel like in the States we usually say Cassandra, so... Awesome. It's like Cassandra with an accent, so it's no big deal. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. Cool. So today you're going to walk us through why we need to identify with more than just our sun sign. Um, I think there's a lot of us out there who maybe don't even feel like we fully identify with our sun sign. And you're going to kind of give us an explanation for why. And then we're going to go into something called the progressed lunar cycles, which apparently happen every 30 years. Yes. Yes, yes. So the progressed lunar cycle, it's like the regular lunar cycle, except it is um, projected onto our life. So whatever, it's like whatever day we're born, one day becomes one year. So when you were two days old, that becomes the second year of your progressed chart in astrology. And so whenever that um, full moon or new moon after you were born falls, that's going to happen in a certain year of your life. And this cycle ends up being a full 30-year cycle throughout our lives. Well, that's so cool. I just turned 30 this year, but I guess my uh, progressed moon might be 31 then in that case. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I'm older than I thought. (laughs) That's so funny. Cool. So let's let's back up a little bit and talk about signs in general. Why the heck did our sun sign even become this identifier that we all use in pop, at least in pop culture. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, the sun is the thing that everyone kind of knows what they have, right? Because we all know what day we were born. And when we get into everything else, we need to know what time we were born. And so since, you know, everyone knows they were born in March or whatever, the sun has become the most popular and the e- it's like the easiest access to astrology. So it's a great starting point. But, you know, even if you think about it logically, like our sun doesn't tell us everything about who we are. If it did, everyone born in December would have the same personality. So we automatically know that the sun doesn't cover everything. And there are many people out there who don't relate to their sun sign And so there's a few reasons for that. One is because of the fact that they have other placements that are maybe more personal to them. Um, Two is maybe pop astrology isn't getting the real in-depth meaning of that sun sign in the first place. You know, a lot of our more popular stuff is funny, right? And so it'll be like making fun of your sun sign and you're like, no, that's not me. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, so there's the source of the information. And then there are a lot of other more like detailed things that can mitigate or change or affect a person's son. So I'll just give one example. Let's say someone has their son in a really bubbly, happy sign like Leo. And it's also conjunct a very serious planet like Saturn. Well, that Saturn influence is going to make that person a lot more serious. And so this is just one. There's many, many other cases like this where someone's son has an interaction with a different planet that has a different energy. Therefore, they don't relate as much to that, that energy. I also personally think that we kind of are our sun sign, right? The sun is like the essence that we bring and we don't always see that ourselves, right? We don't always see if we're, if someone has a son in Sagittarius and they're really inspiring, they don't always see that about themselves. That might be the last thing they see about themselves. They might relate more to the other placements and that kind of leads us into um, what we're going to talk about more today, which is the moon. And the moon is one that we all generally do relate to because it represents our innermost feelings. And so it's like we can all kind of relate to how we feel. And the moon by sign and house is going to tell us, uh, you know, kind of how we're likely to react to things emotionally, how we're like, what our deepest needs are, and especially in relationships with other people. And then, you know, what area of life might be most significant for us. Wow. I had no idea that the moon sign went so deep. Yes, it does. And there's also something really kind of cool in astrology called Chaldean order. There's this kind of um, like ancient theory that we incarnate through the fixed stars and all these different spheres of these different planets. And on that list of planets, the moon is the last. That, so that's kind of another like fun little way that um, we can think of the moon as being so personal to us. And another reason why it's so personal is because it moves so fast. So, you know, if someone's born during Leo season, their moon could be in any of the 12 signs of the zodiac because it changes every couple days, every two and a half days. And so that's another reason why that placement ends up being more personal. Hmm, that's so interesting. I feel like I didn't even dive into my moon sign until, until I started to do deeper work with the moon um, and the, the lunar cycles throughout the months. And then that was sort of the inroad for me to, to take a look at my own moon. And it wasn't even immediately a click for me. It kind of was a bit more nuanced and took a little bit of time to get used to because I've was so holding on to that that Libra sun so dearly that to kind of switch to ooh this Taurus moon this feels a little bit more um, grounded and earthy and how does that how do these three um, aspects of our signs the sun sign the rising and the moon work together to form our personality. That's a great question. And um, I just love the question because it kind of shows how it really works. They work together to form our personality. It's not like your sun is over here and your moon is over here and they're separate. You know, it's it combines. And so it really kind of depends on the person. But 
I would say this is really what astrology is, is not just looking at one of those things, but looking at how they interact. So let's say one person has their sun, moon, and rising in the same sign. Well, that person's going to have a lot of that energy, and they won't necessarily be quite as complex. They, they might be um, easier to figure out because they don't have those competing influences. But let's say someone has their sun square their moon, square they're rising so it's like a t-square this is going to be someone who's just more complex they might feel like sometimes i'm like this and sometimes i'm like that and then sometimes i have this internal pressure where i don't know which one of those things i am and so um this is kind of how they work together they it's it's they have a relationship and so i see the different planets um the sun moon rising of the personal planets as parts of ourselves so it's like a part of us you know if it has virgo then a part of us wants to be organized but then if we have pisces then a part of us wants to be messy and not care and sometimes one of those parts is going to win and sometimes the other one might win and and it's about finding the balance between those energies hmm yeah, that's so true. I mean, just to look at, at your sun sign and have that as your be-all, end-all, you just miss out on all this complexity and the the pieces that make up who you are and who you become. Because I I think, at least in, in my experience, you can identify more with your signs throughout different parts of your life. Absolutely. That is such a good point because there are some things we just have to kind of grow into to really experience. There are certain things in astrology that are activated by transit that we just won't have show up in our life until after that point where that planet has passed it. And um, it's like we just can only meet ourselves as deeply as we know ourselves and that some of that just comes from age as well. Yeah, I guess I'd like to introduce the progressed moons in here now because I'm wondering how much that has to do um, with our personality and how that might shift over time. Um, how long is our progressed moon in each sign? About two and a half years. So we take the lunar cycle and it becomes one day for one year. So normally in, in real life, the moon moves through a sign in two and a half days. So our progress moon, it's going to take two and a half years to go through that sign. And um, the way it works is wherever your moon is when you are born, that's where your progress moon will start and it will progress through the chart. So move around your chart around the rising signs. And so this is personal because it's different for everyone. One person might have their moon in their first house. And so if their moon is in their first house of identity, then in their first, you know, maybe their first year of life or so, depending on where in that house is, it's going to be in that house and it's going to move um, like maybe a year later into their second house. If someone's born with their moon in the 10th, well, then it's going to start in the 10th and it's going to move to the 11th. And so we have these different cycles and different phases at different times that are really personal to us. So it's more than just the, the signs that our personality comes from. It's also the houses. 
Yes, and I would say the houses are probably more, definitely more what we see in the external world. So when your progressed moon is transiting your first house, it hits that rising sign. That's definitely a time where almost everyone across the board is going to have major life changes. And it's like there's usually some kind of loss that will happen in the 12th house. It doesn't have to be bad. It can be like your kids move away or you graduate from college or you retire or you get sober or, you know, something else that um, we associate as. A, a loss, right? Because a part of us has to sort of end for a new part to begin. And then when it hits that rising sign, almost always we we have a new experience of ourselves. So we'll have major life events that cause us to have a new identity or um, we have almost like we have to step into a new a new role in some way. Wow. And so do the do the houses stay the same for everyone um, as time goes on linearly? Um, but it's just the the way that the moon progresses through is is different for each person. So the houses themselves are the same for everyone, and that's determined by your rising sign. So when when the moment you were born, if someone were to go outside and look at the horizon where the sun rises, that is your rising sign. So that starts your first house. And for everyone, that degree, that sign is going to be different. Um, there, there are 12 possibilities. Uh, and then the houses, the signification of the houses stays the same. So the first house means identity, body, major life changes. The second house means values, money, things we own, our possessions, etc. And we could go around the whole wheel. And then the thing that makes it personal because each person has a planet that rules that house. And that's where it gets personal. Because even if you are an Aries rising, all the other Aries risings don't have their planets in the same exact place. So when the, your progressed moon, if you're an Aries rising, hits your second house of money and possessions, that's going to be in the sign of Taurus for you. But where is Venus in your chart? And what are its aspects? Are they considered more positive? It's an, is it placed in a good place? Is it placed in a more difficult place? This is what's going to determine whether someone has a more challenging couple of years or a you know, more ease and flow couple of years. And again, that's, that's where it becomes personal, is how the planets are positioned in the chart um, based on what planet is kind of in charge of that house for you personally. Mm. And so is the, the moon itself, this progressed moon that, that goes through these signs, is that really kind of the emotional ruler of the time? I love that question. Um, it is It is a lot like that, yes, because the moon, we feel it, you know, of all the transits that we can have. I, f I personally have found that the moon, the progressed moon, is the one we resonate with the most. And so we can really feel that sort of theme of our life. And yes, I would say it is the emotional ruler. And it also can, like, again, can spur certain um, planets to be activated. And so that can end up also causing certain life events. And so uh, we see common themes throughout the houses of the kinds of life events that can be happening uh, during these different, 
you know, the different houses. And another thing too, is that it can really tell us what area of life is going to be highlighted. And that's kind of how I look at it. You know, when I'm looking at someone's chart, let's say their progressed moon is moving into their 11th house. Well, that's going to be your groups, your friends, your hopes and dreams, money you make from the work you do. And if you have social media, this is your audience. So this means this will be a focus for this person. This doesn't mean that they're going to blow up on YouTube that, that 2.5 years. It means their energy, their time, their attention will be spent more on that activity than other activities. Hmm. So there's the, this kind of the new moon, the first progressed new moon, and then the progressed full moon, and then the cycle in between. What are, what are the different differences between the progressed new moon and the progressed full moon? That's a great question. So usually just like um, in the lunar phase, the new moon is going to be a new beginning where it's, you don't know what you're doing yet. It's new, it's fresh, it's a new start. And usually we're going to see some kind of major, major life theme, major faded experience, um, or major change in some way. And sometimes these are the kind of things that we have to look back on and see, that was the moment my life changed. It's not always like, oh, on this day, this happened. Although sometimes it could be, um, but we can see that theme uh, in the new moon. And then with the full moon, it's more of a culmination. So these are moments where things either end, they complete, um, or they come to a crescendo. So again, things like retiring, things like being at the prime of your career. But the thing is, is that because these are... um, you know, it's not always like someone has a new moon when they're young and a full moon when they're old. So it's not like... It's not like every moment of that 15 years you're building up to this culmination. It's not quite that literal. It's not quite that linear. It's more of these are just certain times where we can look to the chart to see these faded experiences and life themes that um, tend to be like a thread that run through a person's life. Right, because if I remember correctly in our previous conversations, when you were young, you had a progressed full moon. And when I was young, I had a progressed new moon, kind of about the same time in our lives. Yes, and it's it's so funny because we have a similar, our, our rising sign is similar. Um, but yeah, it's a perfect example of this, that for me, when I was nine, I had that culmination, that progressed full moon in my 10th house. And that was when my mom left and I went and lived with my dad and my stepmom. So that definitely felt like an ending, not a beginning. <laughs> and it, it's even with, the, if you think of cancer, cancer rules the mother. Cancer is the sign of the mother. And so it's very interesting that it's just so literal. And um, that was in my 10th house of career. Now, when you're a kid and you have something in your 10th house or any house, there are times where it can be directly about you. Like um, the 10th house would be like a major life change, a change to your role in life. And at that time, I would say that changed my role in life where I was a role in this family. Now I'm a role in this family. Um, but also 
what's interesting about it is that I have my moon, which is ruled by cancer, in a sign that is, um, or in a house that is more indicative of loss. Uh, so it really makes sense based on my chart that this would be a loss of the mother. Like that's a very literal, direct translation of what would happen. And if I remember correctly, yours, I know yours was in your ninth house of travel. Um, and you had said um, something about how you really wanted to travel when you were younger. Yeah, I think that it it was in my first house, but there was an it translates ah, my ninth right. house. You're right. I'm, yes, I would like yes. to know exactly what that means. How did what what is the tra- it was going from the first house to the ninth house or okay, how, how does so- that work? That's what, no. Um, so it was moving into your first house, but I just looked at your transits. So the transits being the planets that were in the sky at that time, and you had a bunch of them in your ninth house. And so that's why I asked, um, did you have something with travel going on here? Were you wanting to travel? Did you feel stuck? Like you couldn't go or something? I think I asked something like that and you had told me, yes. <laughs> Yeah, and it's really interesting because it's because we're talking about it now um, and uncovering this first house and the ninth house and the connection. Because actually, like you said, first house having to do with identity, I feel like tra- being a traveler is actually one of the cornerstones of my identity. And I didn't necessarily catch that the first time we we talked about it. So, right. Right. And I mean, if we were going deeper, we could probably look back to see what was happening that two and a half years before for you, if there was something in your life that had sort of shifted or changed or you felt was lost at that time. And, you know, again, for kids, sometimes it shows up in their parents' lives. So a child with a 12th house transit could have their parent lose a job and then they go do something else or something like that. Yeah, we moved around a lot at that time. And that was kind of uh, when we just moved into my last childhood house. And even though I was open to the new beginnings and going to a new school, I also just kind of felt like trapped in in the States in general. I just remember receiving these cards from my aunt who was living in Germany and thinking, oh, you know, if we're going to move around all the time, why not try a different country? I mean, every place we go just feels kind of the same if we're going to keep going on these grand adventures and let's really just make it a, a true adventure. And I think some of the trapped feelings came from almost a deeper desire to explore. That totally makes sense for that transit happening. Absolutely. Yeah, and so how did how did this correlate with um, my full moon in that, this case, and then your new moon? Does does your new moon, because you started uh, younger with this full moon, um, did your new moon and full moon have correlations to each other, or is it a new cycle that starts? Um, For me personally, I feel like maybe there's a little bit of a correlation, but it doesn't feel super strong. So um, I'll just tell the story of my my other one, (laughs) my new moon, was um, after I graduated from college and I started working at a trucking company. And this was not a time where I would have said was good if you had asked me at that time like, are you in a new beginning? I would have been really upset (laughs) if someone had said that because I did not see it as a new beginning. It felt more like a loss because I had graduated college with all these high hopes and thinking like, 
I don't know, like it was just going to have, I was going to have a good life from that. And it turns out I was just at the bottom, you know? And so it was like that kind of new beginning of like having to start at the bottom and work your way up. And just, it really felt to me like the bottom, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, just in life. And, um, you know, for me, that was in my fourth house, which oftentimes with fourth house things, it's going to deal more with family roots, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And that ruler of that fourth house for me is in my third house of of like travel. So the third house rules actually like trips, like short trips by car. And so I think it's interesting, you know, a trucking company. And and one sort of thread that um, may, may be you know, significant or not, is that when my mom left when I was nine, her husband at the time was a truck driver. And so that's the only connection I could really make between those two things and just the need for independence. But I think because they're in different houses, um, you know, for some people, these are going to be very, very different life events just because they are like 15 years apart. And Um, it's not always going to be like one leads directly to the other. You know, you won't always be able to see that connection. Right. Do you feel like that connection is stronger when it's a new moon going into a full moon? Probably because you can see, you can go back and see how this led to that, right? How this new beginning led to that, some kind of completion. And it can be something... um, it, you know, it's, again, it's not linear. It's not like I started being a ballerina and then I became a famous ballerina 15 years later. It's more like a culmination in a certain theme in our life. So it might be how we merge with other people. It might be how we express ourselves creatively um, and on and on. There are many different possibilities there. Right, because I do see a sort of correlation between the new moon that I had around the age of 10 that we just discussed in the first house and wanting to travel and finding my aunt just to be this cool person that lived abroad and wanting to go on these adventures. And then my full moon, which happened in 2017, which was just, it was one of those years where I just wasn't even sure if I was on this dimension anymore, to be honest. It was a very fifth dimensional time for me, especially in October when this progressed full moon was in kind of the full swing. Um, And it says that, if I remember correctly in my notes, it says that it was in the eighth house. So how how does that play into this full moon time? Yes. So everything you just said about it being in a different dimension, that is the eighth house. (laughs) Wow. So yeah, the eighth house. (laughs) The eighth house is how we merge with others. It can be like psychic ability and it has many things that fall in it. So for one person in eighth house transit can be exactly what you described where they're connecting on a deeper level to the other side, whatever that looks like. For other people, it can be a time where they're dealing with taxes or inheritances or merging money with other people. All the ways that we are not our own individual self. So anything that represents, you know, sharing, like sharing energy, sharing money, sharing, um, you know, even sexuality falls under this house just because it is anything very intimate that's connected with another person. Um, Psychic abilities, all that kind of stuff. So uh, like having experiences that are out of this world, that would fall in the eighth house also. 
Yeah, and it does. It's funny because that dream with that 10-year-old me was having of traveling and getting out of the States and having adventures really did come to fruition um, a little bit before this the progressed full moon. But I would say this was really the the height of it. This is when I was uh, working for a plant medicine retreat and doing plant medicine. I mean, you just really lose that boundary between yourself and others and, and merge into something far greater than yourself. And I was living in the country of my dreams in this place that I, I showed up in Amsterdam and I thought, this is my home. This has always been my home, but I'm just discovering that it's my home. And to kind of think about my progressed moon cycles like this, it's almost like I have this mental picture of my 27-year-old self when this progressed full moon was in full swing, kind of looking through the portal at my 10-year-old self in the, the new moon progressed phase and saying, hey, <laughs> this this home feeling that you don't feel like you have here despite traveling and, and moving houses with your family, you're finally going to get it. You're, you're going to get it in this progressed full moon phase when you're 27 and you are in this place that that really feels like home more than anywhere else. Wow, I just love hearing all that. That is it's such a powerful story of like really coming full circle. Yeah, I'm curious if there's anything in there. I mean, the ninth house does that have anything to do with we just talked about travel, but do the first, ninth or eighth houses um or anything else that might have um, progress through at that time have anything to do with the sacred calling of, of my soul like what kind of work I'm meant to do here or does that come later um I okay so okay I think that the eighth house you know it gives us that merging with others and then the ninth house is where we find meaning and so that that it's like so that next 2.5 year cycle for you could have been about integrating that into like your actual belief systems because the eighth house is like the connected experience where nothing else exists. You can't also integrate it at the same time you're having the experience, right? You have to go afterwards and like figure out how it applies to how you do your actual life. And so I feel like that is the kind of thing that can happen in the ninth house, especially if your eighth house is like yours was, where it's just such a powerful, like open heart experience, um, where then we need to sort of be able to sort through our own thoughts and maybe be away from the experience or the teacher or the, the, the peak, whatever that is. And, um, figure out, well, what do I believe now? What do I think now? How does this show up in my life? And what does it all mean? You know, like that's where we find that in the ninth house. Yeah, that's interesting that you mentioned that because I feel like, you know, 2017 is four years ago now, but I feel like I've almost just started this year to really integrate what that experience was. And I've actually had glimpses of it again this year. So I'm wondering what my progressed moon is, is going through now that might kind of connect me back to that full moon feeling. 
Yeah. So, I mean, it totally is true. Like what you're saying is totally true to the chart because, you know, as that progress moon goes through the ninth and towards the end of that phase, that 2.5 year cycle, that's when like it might start to feel like it's coming together, <laughs> you know, up until then with, especially because yours is in Gemini, which is also a sign of like needing to integrate, needing to have different experiences and kind of test the waters and do a few different things here and there and, and just be curious and explore a little. Um, so for you, I think right now you're, let me see. Yeah, you've just sort of finished that transit. So now you have your progressed moon in the 10th house. Um, and so you might still feel a little bit of that, like um, needing to integrate, needing to figure things out for the next few months. Uh, and then it's not like, bam, you're going to have a moment where everything makes sense. But if you do, it's likely going to happen in that 10th house. It's like the 10th house is uh, a, um, an angular house. And so whenever we have the 10th, the 1st, the 4th, or the 7th house being uh, activated, these are more like powerful life changes. So it's like you might take all that integration that you got from those 8th and ninth house, the, that five-year period, and be able to put it out into the world make another identity shift, do something in your career, because you have it in the sign of cancer, it feels like this will be more like a rooted, grounded um, experience where maybe you feel like you're a whole person doing it, um, or you feel wow. more integrated doing it. Does that make sense to you? <laughs> that sounds so good. I'm really looking forward to that moment. When can I be expecting to enter the house? <laughs> praying for it. I think it's about like three or four months for you. Oh, so good. All right. Yeah. I'm ready. Yeah. I'm going to gonna gather a picnic or whatever. Uh, be very cancer about it and invite it in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like um, especially towards the end of September, it was like I had that almost like flashback moments in a good way towards that progressed full moon feeling of being like almost in 5d it's, it sounds like super cheesy to say that but I have no other words for it I had kind of one one extra month at the very end of this integration period where I experienced that again it, almost as a reminder that it really did exist mm. and th then I've just been in the past two months in October and November have been just like, oh, wow, okay, that, that was real. And I actually have to do something about it. I can't just sit here and like, wish for it to come back or um, acknowledge that it happened, but it's over. It's, it felt like a calling to, to step into action and integrate that as like a main, more of a main theme of my life. Yeah, that is just so, I love your story so much. It's just such a perfect uh, example of, you know, how we can progress through life and just how strong these themes can be. Yeah, so what's going on in uh, for your progressed moon at the moment? Okay, so I have updates yes, <laughs> from the last great. time we talked, actually. Okay, so my progressed moon just moved into the 10th house, which... Actually, it moved into the 10th house, but it was still in Gemini, just like you, because we have a similar rising sign where our placements are. Um, and I was really looking forward to this because I know how wishy-washy I have felt the past two and a half years <laughs> and how much I have felt, especially in work, like, I don't know what I'm doing. I need to figure this out. 
and just like kind of weighing things out, trying different things and really gathering all the information and trying to bring it to a cohesive point of focus, which is what Gemini is about. Gemini and Virgo both have that in common. Um, so my progress moon just moved into Cancer. So it's already in the 10th house of career, which is a focus right now, very strong focus right now. And then it moved into Cancer and immediately I lost my job. <laughs> wow, it's been a crazy time for this. Wow, tell, tell us more. I feel like this is a huge, like a really big sign of trust from the universe and yourself. Like, congratulations. I know there's probably mixed feelings there, but absolutely, absolutely. Thank you. It's just, I, it was hilarious to me because I have that that moon, which rules cancer. So this is how we kind of tell how specific it's going to be. In the sixth house in Placidus, which means the sixth house is not a good house. This is a house of loss. This is a house of challenge. And so to have that happen immediately, I was like, oh, I should have seen that coming, <laughs> first of all. Um, but second of all, the thing is, is that I don't like that job anyway. You know, it's like, it's not like it's something that is making me a better person or um, really helping me on my path at this point. So, I mean, we'll see what happens, but it feels very much like something getting out of the way to, to make room for something I enjoy more because cancer is a sign of nurturing, of being really at home in your own body. You know, with cancer energy, we can either be really needy if we don't have our needs met and like, kind of um, be, want everyone to be our mommy almost, you know, like want everyone to soothe us or go to people for things that, uh, you know, we, we need to find this, the, the security, the emotional security within ourselves for that's what solves it. So it's just creating this greater level of emotional security. The 10th house represents career. The 6th house represents daily work. And so we can absolutely see that this transit being, you know, it activated this, um, you know, challenge or maybe opportunity. We'll see what happens between my role in the world and my daily work. So I would expect either I'm going to get a job where I'm busier or that is more aligned with my passion or, um, you know, worst case scenario, I get another job I don't like and then I do more, you know, work harder almost to like make what I really want to happen happen, if that makes sense. Oh yeah. I I'm hoping for the second option for you. That you just get <laughs> something more aligned that is gonna lead you to greater things on your path. Have you made a decision about whether you're gonna stay where you are? I'm living. Mm-hmm. Um now so far I feel I feel good here. So I'm I'm planning on staying here. I know we talked about that um as part of what I feel from this cancer energy and this is really there's something that happened when that moon moved into cancer where I just felt more okay in my own skin and I think some of that's because of the work that I've been doing on myself where it's like I've been really working hard to just be okay in my own body and feel okay in the moment um, and so I think I think this is a time where I will just feel more secure. And it's interesting because if I think of those themes from the last time the progress moon was in cancer, you know, for me, that was when 
my mom left. And so it's like, how am I showing up to myself to um, handle that? You know, how do I be there for myself? If everything else leaves, how am I there for myself? And so I think that can be a theme we see with cancer. Not everyone's mom is going to leave, right? That's not how it shows up for everyone. But the theme of how do we nurture ourselves? How are we there for ourselves? That is another thing I think that cancer energy teaches us. And it doesn't mean we can't have a relationship during that transit or, or that we will necessarily. It doesn't mean everyone's going to have a kid when you know their moon moves into cancer. It's not quite that literal. It's just those energetic themes of safety, um, home, even the home is really important to cancer and, and creating a space where you feel safe in the world. Mm, okay. I just want to clarify. So what is the, the world constant and what is specific to us? Is it because we're go, shifting into the 10th house now, is this something that everyone is experiencing this sh- shift into the 10th house or is everyone experiencing this shift into cancer? Neither. So Neither. this is you and me. This is just you and me because we both happen Special. to have the same. Yes. <laughs> so everyone has their progress moon in a different place right now. So one person might be shifting into Taurus energy where they're working on building their own security and, and self-care. And another person might be shifting into Scorpio energy where they're learning the, the feeling of risk and, um, you know, learning what the boundaries are and learning when to break those boundaries and merge with others. Um, so we we all have our progress moon in a different place. So this is personal. And this is why um, I'm so passionate about it because a lot of people don't even know. And just knowing where your progress moon is can be so helpful to just guide you through the different like energetic phases of life. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like it's opened up a portal or at least helped me put on a pair of glasses to take a look at my life. Um, not necessarily as a linear, but as cyclical, which is very organic. Yes, yes. Wow. So the only thing then that that's universally um, available at the moment in terms of astrology is the the season that we're in. So we're still in Scorpio, right? Yes, we are still in Scorpio season. Okay, so how does that interact with with our progress moon and just with our chart in general right now? Yeah, so it's interesting because I think the, the lunar cycle in general is going to be, it's more universal, but it can also be more personal based on your own placements. So it's like, someone with personal placements in Scorpio is probably going to feel the Scorpio new moon a little bit more. Someone who just had their progressed moon move to a point where it makes an aspect to a different planet, they're going to feel it a little more. So with the lunar cycle, we, we have to kind of keep in mind that it's okay if you resonate more with one season than another, or if you feel the external effects of change of one, you know, one full moon versus new moon. That's okay, because it's we don't really need to have some major life change every two weeks. <laughs> like That would just be too much. But the way that Scorpio season is affecting all of us, I feel, especially this one with Mars in Scorpio, which means it's stronger Scorpio energy, is giving us the the ability to tap into our desires. And it's showing us because it it had this Uranus aspect that was 
uh, very intense. Uranus is change. Scorpio is change. So a lot of people are having changes. A lot of people will have things right now at this time be removed from their life that are no longer serving them. A lot of people will, if, if that's not happening, it's like we have the opportunity to change. And some of us might be backed into a corner where we have to change. And that's actually where Scorpio thrives. So with Mars and Scorpio, if you feel backed into a corner, you're supposed to kind of fight your way out of it. <laughs> you know, like not go against the universe, but like embrace that fierce warrior, you know, embrace the part of yourself that is willing to take on a challenge. That's when Scorpio thrives. It's when its back is up against a wall. And so it's like we can tap into that inner fierce, um, stealthy planning and and very um, almost seductive magnetic energy to move forward and manifest and Again, some people are going to have major changes that come out of left field that are unexpected. That's Uranus. And Uranus, you know, it doesn't, it, it's the higher octave of Mercury. So it's like Uranus, even though it's unexpected and you're like, oh God, I don't know how I'm going to deal with this now. There's still an element of this is activating something for you, even though it may appear like a loss. So anyone who's feeling like they're getting things lost or taken or um, removed, it's because it's Scorpio, that is how Scorpio changes, is through destroying. And so even though it's unpleasant, um, there's an element of surrender needed, but there's also an element of like stepping up, you know, how are we going to rise to this? Because I think, I mean, I think the there's a time to go with the flow. Scorpio season is not that time. That's Pisces season. <laughs> so it's it's we're not we can we can allow the changes and not fight them, but then what you know, what are we rising up into? Oh, that's so relevant and such a perfect way to put it. I, I was just typing to a friend earlier that this has felt like the most Scorpio Scorpio season ever. And to find out that it's tied in with Mars and Uranus, it's just this Mars of just kind of kicking us into action or backing us into the corner to take action. And then the Uranus energy of of having us rise to the occasion. It just it just feels so true right now. Like the things that that we've sort of defaulted to just because it felt comfortable are just no longer available. Like your job and um actually my job at one of my <laughs> my gigs, the bigger bread and butter one that wasn't quite serving me, but was serving financially. Um, and new relationships and changing houses. It's just, wow, I'm just holding on to what you said about three or four months from now when, when I enter my 10th house with my progressed moon of having that more grounded energy and feeling like I'm approaching it as a whole person, probably because I'm dealing with this now. Right, Totally. Yeah, so if, if any of you out there are going through the most Scorpio of Scorpio seasons, you're definitely not alone. We're right alongside you. Totally. <laughs> so what are some of these, um, we talked a little bit about planets um, in our charts as being a bit more challenging. What are what are some planets um, that could affect us in a, in a challenging way? And how does that tie in with our progressed moon and just in, with our chart in general? 
Yeah. So sometimes it's where the planet is that makes it a challenge. So like oftentimes people who have 12th house planets or 8th house planets, um, those are considered kind of the more difficult ones. Um, Mars and Saturn are considered the malefics. So they are bad and I don't sugarcoat that, like they're bad planets. <laughs> uh, sometimes people, you know, it doesn't mean if you're a Capricorn, you're bad, or if you're an Aries, you're bad. But these are the planets that tend to give us the most trouble in life. So if you have like, wherever you have Saturn, whatever house Saturn is in your chart, that's an area of life where you're just naturally going to have more challenges. And it's for you to rise to those challenges. The way to work with Saturn is to be disciplined, follow the rules, learn. And it's like you have to work harder in that area because it doesn't come easily. And But there's also a potential for, for mastery in that area because you had to start from not knowing anything. You know, like someone who's a naturally amazing speaker um, who doesn't have Saturn affecting their ability to speak versus someone who maybe can't um, communicate very well, who has Saturn in Gemini or Saturn conjuncting their Mercury or something. You know, the person who has Saturn there could actually become the better speaker because the other person who spoke net more naturally didn't try hard, didn't have to try very hard. So it's like Saturn can help be a helper, you know? Saturn's like a speed bump. If you slow down, it doesn't hurt you. But if you don't slow down, it hurts you. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And what about Mars? How does that affect us? Yeah, so Mars is more of a, Mars is mean, you know? Mars <laughs> is like, rules things like, um, war. Mars is the god of war. So when we see Mars transits or activations, we see people trying to attack you in a way or another, okay? So this can be like mean words. It can be um, even even so intense as to the things that we see in the world where like um, when people are assassinated, oftentimes Mars is conjuncting their ascendant. So it's like a time where someone will try to go against you in some way. Now, not everyone who has Mars on their ascendant gets assassinated. So don't get scared hearing that. Um, many people never try to get, never get assassinated. And Mars goes over that point every two years because it's a two-year cycle. But it's like, Mars is like an attacking energy. And so it's, it's like dangerous. It's hot. It's sharp. It's, um, it's, just kind of bad when bad stuff happens, when accidents happen, usually Mars is involved. But I think in general for us, in terms of the energy of those planets with Mars, sometimes you can work with the, the negative energy by finding a way to harness it. So like we all have Mars in one sign in our chart. And so it's like Mars is also our action and our discipline. Like we need some of that inner angst to get things going, to move, to be purposeful. And people who have like Mars in really gentle signs will have a harder time taking action. People who have Mars in like Scorpio, it's home or Aries, they're not going to have a hard time taking action. They have to learn how to not be so aggressive maybe sometimes. <laughs> and so even if, you know, even the malefic planets, we can find where, there are, where they are in our chart and work with them. Sometimes we can embody that energy in a, in a certain area of life or learn that, you know, if we have all this pent-up energy, we should exercise more. You know, there's a lot of really practical ways we can work with some of those negative influences. That's so interesting. So Mars is kind of um, really affecting all of us right now, as we just talked about with this... Um, really strong Mars and in Scorpio influence. How does that affect where, 
how can I say this? How do, so for instance, my Mars is in Libra and then having this really strong Mars influence in Scorpio at the moment, does that mean that the way that I experience my Mars is affected by Libra or is that a completely different system? I feel like it's sort of different because your Mars and Libra is going to be how you naturally take action. So you're naturally going to be um, more likely to make sure it works for everyone before you do something. You'll be more considerate naturally. And um, so that's that part of it. Now, when Mars came back to Libra, you had a Mars return. And so that would be a time um, when... Mars may have been more highlighted for you. Actions may have been more highlighted. Things involving your own actions versus other people's actions could have come to the the, the forefront for you at that time. And so we kind of look to the cycles in our chart. And so for you personally with that Mars and Libra, it's going to affect you more like when Mars gets to um, maybe the next air sign, which is Aquarius. So that would be a trine. So right now with Mars and Scorpio, people with Mars and Scorpio are having their Mars return. So this is like the end of one cycle of action and the beginning of a new one. People with Mars in other places, you know, Mars and Leo, it's going to square their natal Mars. And so they're going to have more inner tension to deal with. But we all have this subtle influence that Mars and Scorpio brings of needing to really tap into our desires because Mars and Scorpio as a personality is very intense, only does what it wants, never does things it isn't interested in, has a lot of passion, but it's below the surface and they really have to tap into that passion to get it to work. And so that's the part that affects all of us regardless of where our Mars is, is that that subtle influence is showing up. So we can work with that Mars by letting go of things we don't care about and diving more deeply into things that bring us passion. Even if you're in a place where you don't know what you want to do, just choosing to make that a priority and try to figure it out is a really good move for the rest of um, Scorpio season. Mm, Thank you for that. That's so so helpful for so many of us out there, (laughs) especially at this time. I just wanted to, to thank you so, so much for our talk today. It's just been so brilliant to get to know you and to have these conversations. Um, and I'd like to, to ask, like, if anyone wants to find their progressed moon charts, how would they go about that? And um, is this something that, that you work with people um, to, to help them with their career and things like that? How they can find you? Yes. Okay. So to find the progressed lunar chart, if you're familiar with astro.com, you can actually pull that chart for yourself. Um, so that is one way to do that, to see if you, if you know how to look at your own chart and see where the things are, um, there is an option on the drop down. If you are not at that level, that's okay. <laughs> um, but this is something that you really kind of have to know how to look at a chart to be able to do. Uh, And yes, I help people with this. This is just one of many things we can look at in a reading, you know, because that 2.5 year cycle is going to be not 
it's not everything. And so there are a lot of other things we can see how it's highlighting, what, what natal aspects it's highlighting. And people can work with me. I have a website. It's thesaffronsage.com. They can book a private reading. And if they just want to know more about astrology, they can find me on YouTube at the Saffron Sage or on Instagram um, where I talk about the current lunar cycle we're in. I always do videos on the current new and full moon and break it down by rising sign as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. And I'll make sure everyone has all of those links in the show notes and just so much. I just have so much gratitude to, to you, Cassandra, for coming. I'm seeing, saying it the European way, Cassandra. <laughs> I've turned it to European. See, it's because of that first uh, progressed new moon where I wanted to travel <laughs> so much. It's gotten far into my identity now. Thank you so, so much. And I'm looking forward to part two, which we'll, we'll be doing together later on, um, maybe at the end of this year, maybe as a New Year special, uh, which will go more into the houses and how we express ourselves through the houses. Yes, thank you so much for having me. This has been awesome. <laughs>